If you could go back in time and give yourself one sage piece of advice, what would it be? I'm Sam East, and this is Lessons to My Younger Self, the podcast. You probably have someone in your life who is the definition of go-getter. That person who just always has their sights on a goal and they go for it with sheer determination and talent too. Arthur Mola fits that description. Since he was a teenager, he's been hustling his way into huge events, red carpets, and film festivals, and eventually into some of the world's biggest photo agencies, capturing the most famous and recognizable faces as a photographer. You've probably seen his work in Vogue, Vanity Fair, Rolling Stone, People Magazine, The New York Times, and many others. And if that isn't enough, he's also a gifted musician too. Arthur and I have known each other since the fourth grade, and I really don't know anyone who's had such laser focus going after their dreams at such a young age. Besides all that very impressive stuff, Arthur is a delight. You meet him and instantly know you're going to have a great conversation and probably a belly laugh too. His stories are hilarious and fascinating, but he also shares how he flipped his naturally timid tendencies into this remarkable path that he's on today. I'm excited for this because we've known each other since we were like eight or nine years old, but we're going to unpack some new layers here. Totally. Was it eight or nine? Is that how young we were? Well, I'm thinking back to the days, of course, of your uh, rock climbing clips. (laughs) Well, for some inexplicable reason. As a child, Arthur, you would wear these rock climbing clips on the backs of your shoes every day. I think I was intimidated by this choice. Like you were a man of mystery and fashion. (laughs) What was behind that? I need to, I think, go back and talk to my parents and and see what (laughs) what I was thinking because they probably had the same question. Like (laughs) what's wrong with our kid that he's putting these clips on his shoes? There's no real practical uh, explanation. And Despite what you're saying, I don't think it was the most fashionable choice for someone to make. (laughs) At nine years old. At nine years old. But, you know, here we are. I really like to go back to the beginning because I knew you when you were young. We were both kids. But in your own words, what was a young art like? Young art was, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm, I'm shy by nature. Like, I'm not an outgoing person. Uh, It's something I've kind of had to work on Mm. sort of consciously, but I think just as you navigate through life, it, you know, you kind of see what works and and things like that as well. So it sort of happened on a, in in like an organic way too, but, but consciously, like I recognized early on that I was shy. Mm. I I think I had some, some talents, like I was into music and, and sports and things like that. And like later on, obviously photography, that, that sort of, compensated for my shyness because mm. you know you you kind of had to put yourself out there if you were uh excelling at something so like if you know when i was playing in bands and stuff like that you can't really you can't really be shy and go on stage and play music in front of people and put yourself out there so these things kind of like these experiences kind of helped me with that as well because it sort of forced me into uh to positions where you have to have to just put yourself out there and be on the line and, and you can't just be like a behind the scenes kind of guy This is so interesting to me because, well, for one, I think most people who would meet you today would have no inclination to think that you're you're shy or you're timid. You're the friend who's starting up conversations with strangers, you know? But also, based off of most of the conversations that I've had on this podcast, people have experienced the reverse where they're so self-assured as a child and then life kind of wears away at that. 
Right? Is there someone or something that you can give credit to for helping you get out of that shell that you're talking about? Well, so yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a first generation Canadian. My, my parents came here uh, in 89 when I was born. You know, I think it's a common sort of immigrant mentality that you have to make your parents proud and you have to make something of yourself because, mm-hmm. you know, all the sacrifices that they made for you and the things that they left behind to give you a better life by coming here, it puts a certain pressure on you, I think, as a child. And also, like, just the, just the mentality, like, I think everything's very serious. Like, you're taught to take everything seriously and to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, you have an opportunity and don't mess it up. Mm. You have so many gifts and interests. You got you have the photography, obviously. You you drum, you're into martial arts, and you excel at all of them. And I mean, with the photography alone, you've been published in some of the, the biggest publications in the world. You've been to the film festivals all over the world. You've captured some of the most famous, recognizable people in the world. At what point now, before all of that, were you like, this is where I'm going to put my effort toward. This is what's going to become my livelihood. So I was lucky because I I found that like super early. I was 16. I was doing kind of like photo manipulation at the time, which was like where you blend a ton of different images in Photoshop together. And uh, I actually had a like a metal band from, I think they were yes. from Milwaukee, reach out to me when I was like 13. And they wanted to use one of my photo manipulation artwork as their album cover. How did they find it? I was on a website called DeviantArt, which was actually, it's an interesting concept because it was like the first social media network in a way, like mm. where you, you know, have a profile, you can upload your, your artwork. And yeah, these guys found my, one of my pieces and wanted to uh, use it on their album cover. And it was like my first, the first time I got paid for like art. And I remember it was like, I think it was like a thousand bucks or something. But like when you're 13, that's, that's a lot of money. What did you do with that money? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I put it in the bank. I wasn't like a like a flashy, you know. No fancy uh, rock climbing clips, eh? You know what? I may have bought like a new set. I think I bought a new set. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to treat myself. <laughs> I deserve it. <laughs> I deserve it. <laughs> so I found this um, this photographer's work on there on that same website. His name's Chris Weeks. And he's the reason why I got into photography. Like mm. that made me realize that it was something that you could do for a living. He was uh, a very like well-known entertainment photographer in, in, mm. in LA. So he was shooting a lot of the kind of stuff that I decided I wanted to shoot. Uh, and then he actually became a mentor later on. In this process, though, if we could go back to this band finding your work as a 13-year-old, did they know you were 13? Because I feel like if they knew you were 13, they'd be like, let's give this kid 20 bucks. He'll be thrilled. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I have a funny, I have another story that's funny about that after. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if they knew I was, I mean, I think they did eventually. But I remember I was on the phone with them one time. And of course, I probably had like a squeaky voice and like, you know, <laughs> I didn't know the terminology and everything else. So I think they probably figured out that I was either just a total weirdo on the internet that makes these artworks or that I was 13. That is an incredible story. Wait, tell us the story that you were talking about. I gotta, I'm going to pull this up because I actually cued it for this. Amazing. Um, I don't know if you've seen this photo, but this was one of my bands when I was 13. Wait, is that you with the hat on? That's me with the hat. <laughs> And these guys are like in their, I think they were in their 20s or 30s. Wait, how did this come to be? Which is the most ridiculous thing now in hindsight. I remember finding these guys on like a Kijiji ad or Craigslist or whatever it was at the time. 
I auditioned and they didn't know how old I was, obviously, because I, again, I didn't say. And <laughs> so I remember mysterious. like, my, <laughs> so, well, I knew if I said I was like 13, that they would be like, no, nah, we're good. No, you know, this is we, illegal or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is some sort of <laughs> breach. Yeah, a breach. But um, I remember like rolling up in like my parents' minivan <laughs> and they dropped me off at the audition. And obviously they were nervous to leave me with a bunch of strange men from the internet (laughs) yeah to play music i guess it went well and for whatever reason they decided to let me join their band as a drummer as a drummer yeah so i played with them for like about a year and the reason why it didn't work out was because we were gearing up to play shows Mm. and it turned out that you had to be 18 or 19 i can't remember to get into the venue Mm. and so i couldn't even go in the venue to play (laughs) a show and they were like, yeah, dude, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> I mean, we're just so far, we've just been talking about your life as a 13 year old and you had this like illustrious career as a as a drummer in an adult <laughs> band. You were selling your photography for a thousand dollars. Like, keep in mind, people at 13 are happy to have like five dollars a week in allowance. Oh, I thought I was going to be like <laughs> dinners on me, guys, or like hubba bubba's on me at lunch really is what that means. Think back to that time, though, specifically. 13, most, I mean, I was on MSN waiting for my crush to sign on. Like, I had no ambitions. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was doing. Oh, I was doing, doing that, too. <laughs> okay, but I mean, did you have a sense of, well, I'm 13 and my life doesn't really look like the other 13-year-olds that I know? Did you have a sense of that? I think when I started realizing that it was unusual was when I would tell people, this is my new band, and we just did, like, photos, and they'd be like, how old are these guys? <laughs> And I'd be like, what do you mean? Because I never, I mean, I didn't care, right? Like for me, and that was the thing, like I was always so serious about what I was doing that that didn't even register. I was just like, I want to play music with serious people. And, Mm. you know, when you're 13, it's harder to find other 13 year olds, I guess, who who take it as seriously as someone who's in their 20s, maybe, right? Clearly you were hustling from a young age. And I know this too, because I I did a piece on you for Ryerson University News back in the day, because we both went to the same university. You were in photography. I was doing radio and television. And, and when I asked people about you, the common sentiment was, Arthur is a go-getter. Arthur has a vision and he goes after what he wants. I remember, like for example, when I was 16 and, and I got my first camera, I wanted to shoot music because like, mm-hmm. I was a drummer still and I loved, I loved live music. I had a lot, a lot of favorite bands. Um, and one of my favorite bands was Korn at the time. <laughs> yeah. With a K. Yeah. With a K. <laughs> And they were actually coming to Toronto. Uh, it was April 4th, 2006. I was like, I really want to go shoot this show. Mm. I don't think I had tickets even. Like, I don't even think I was going as a guest. I just wanted to shoot it. I remember calling, like, in, the, in my lunch break at high school, being on the phone with record labels and publicists and talking to New York and LA and just trying to find, like, a contact that could get me in. Because obviously, mm. I'd never shot a show. I never... I've never been accredited before. I had no idea how how that all worked. I just knew because my dad was actually a journalist back in Hungary that that you had to this was the process. So mm. he was he was really helping me with it and and encouraging me to you know just be persistent because I was told no a million times and you know that oh I'm not the right person, you know, try this person. Like it was just a And you're 17. This was actually 16. This was when I was wow. still uh, in grade 12. Right, 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 right at the beginning. So I, I, I ended up finding a person at Live Nation. I 
really owe her a lot because she sort of uh, her name's Kathy from from Live Nation. She's mm. she's an amazing woman and just gave me a chance, I think, to get in and shoot this show, and mm. that just opened a lot of doors. But again, it was like we hopped in hopped in the car. Like my dad drove me all the way down to to Rico Coliseum. That's when I shot my first show, and then from there it just kind of snowballed. But you de- it's definitely a hustle. And like I remember also in grade twelve, which is kind of dumb. Like I I, I kind of regret this now, but. I, I remember I didn't go to grad trip. And I think part of it was that like we didn't have much money. And I just mm-hmm. kind of felt like guilty asking my parents for money to go, mm. on, go on a trip. Um, I think that was part of it. But I think the other part of it was that I was worried that I was going to miss an opportunity to shoot something and if I was you? away. I, don't, I can't remember. I probably didn't. And that's mm. what I mean. It's, it, it was just stupid because I think the experiences that you have when you're young, when you're in high school and when you're totally free to meet people, have these experiences, go on trips. Like the value in that is more than being 16 and sitting at home waiting for a phone call in case someone calls you for like Mm. a shoot. But that was my mentality because I just, I was, I took what I was doing so seriously, but I don't know if that was necessarily the best, uh, the best approach. It's important to be a kid, you know? Yeah. Did you ever experience ageism? Cause I'm sure you must have been the only teenager shooting these major events and concerts among much more experienced photographers at the time. It's unusual to see someone that young in, you know, in photo pits at concerts or at, mm. you know, Toronto Film Festival and things like that. And I didn't really experience ageism in, in, in a sense that like people were rude to me or, or, or not anything. taking you like, seriously, perhaps. I think that was the, that was the main thing that I, I felt like I had to overcompensate my seriousness mm. to be on the mm. same playing field because it's like, I, I feel like from the get go, I had something to prove. I had to like prove myself to be justified being even in the same area as these guys who are 20, 30, 40 years in the business doing this for their whole life. And then here's like a guy who's owned a camera for two weeks. That makes sense though, when you explain missing out on that grade 12 grad trip, because the other part of your brain is trying to kind of reconcile like, okay, but if I want to be taken seriously, I will be the 16 year old or 17 year old that doesn't go on the grad trip because I'm serious about this. Right. Totally. And I think that's, I think that's all it was, but you know, in hindsight, I don't, I don't know if that's a good approach, you know, like if Mm. I, if I were to have a, if I were to have a kid and I, they also early on discovered something that they wanted to pursue and like get into, I think I would encourage them to go on that trip and like not to worry. It'll fall into place. You have your whole, whole life ahead of you. Like you're 16, man. It's okay. Like you'll be, you'll be fine. You know, there must've been a point where you realized this very rigid approach wasn't always the best option. I think it was my first Cannes festival and my, one of my colleagues, my friend who was on the same team as, as us, Joel, um, he had a portrait session with Carly Kloss at a, at a hotel mm-hmm. and I was tagging along with him just to, just, just for fun. Mm-hmm. And I remember they kind of switched us up. Like we were in one room and then they were like, sorry, we're going to move you to a different room, trying to move lights around. And it was, it was a bit it was a bit hectic because, you know, you're setting up for one set, one environment, picking out spots, you're setting up lighting, doing test shots. Two minutes before the shoot happens, they, they throw you in another room. And I just remember there was something going on that he wasn't 100% about, you know? And, and I think Carly Kloss could feel that. Like, she was like, oh, like, is everything looking good? And he was like, it's, it's, it's okay, but let's, let's try something else. Like, is it okay if we kind of like shift gears and, 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 and move over? And she was totally fine. And, and that's kind of like when I realized that it's, it's, 
it's okay to be honest. You know, you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to pretend like everything's going as planned, like mm. as planned. Like if something is not totally right, it's a collaborative effort. And, and, you know, it's in her best interest as well to, to make sure that the shots are looking good. And, you know, I was just thinking like, if that were me, I may have said, oh yeah, yeah, everything's fine. And then tried to, you know, figure it out myself and put all, put that whole burden on, on, on me. Mm-hmm. Whereas he was open about it and he was honest and she actually appreciated that. And they, they, they sorted it out and it turned out great. So I bet he wasn't even aware that he was teaching you that lesson. No, probably not. What do you think really sets you apart in the end though? Cause you have some, you got some wild stories from shooting these red carpets at right. events and festivals around the world, all these other photographers vying for that shot. And it's not just fun and games shooting these celebs. You got to get that shot. Red carpets are known for like photographers screaming, like yelling like animals, you know? It's just like, like what are they saying? Oh, everything you can imagine. <laughs> some, some people just make noises. They're not even saying what? anything. They're just making noises. Well, that's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> oh, it's totally, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of that personally. Like mm. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with like raising your voice because sure. it is loud. And, you know, if you're trying to get a shot, you just the reality and the nature of that type of work when you pack 200 people into the same spot oh and gosh. everyone's trying to get eye contact, everyone's trying to get their attention, you're going to have a lot of yelling. Yeah. But it can get pretty, uh, pretty like disrespectful and gross, you know? And so mm. a, a lot of photographers are striving on a red carpet, especially to, to get that, that shot that I was talking about, like the, where they're facing you, they're looking right in your lens, you mm-hmm. can see their outfit, you see their clothes, you see their shoes, no one's behind them and, and it's like a nice clean shot. Mm. And that's fine, like that's, you know, that's the bread and butter. But there was a moment in Venice where Elsa Hosk dropped her earring um, on, on, the, on the carpet. She like bent down to pick it up and it was like this really like dainty, beautiful shot. I mean, most people were just waiting for her to pick it back up and put it in because you're never really going to sell a shot like that. But it's a very beautiful moment. And, mm. you know, it turned out to be a great shot. So I, I'm looking for stuff like that. That's the a in-between little, moments. In-between, yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like you're trying to capture the human moments in these larger-than-life people and, and personalities. There is a lot going on. So if they do hear someone just shouting random sounds that aren't even words. They'll do what you just did, right? Which is they'll laugh at it because it's so ridiculous. And that's like a beautiful moment, right? Because it's something honest and it's, it's real. It's not just them, you know, putting on their game face and, you know, it's, it's, Mm. it's time to, you know, take a, take a photo. It's something that catches them off guard and and makes them, uh, makes them laugh. So, wow. Yeah. So I, I like stuff like that personally. How do you know when you got the shot though? Do you feel you feel it like yeah that's the one that's oh, the you one feel it. yeah definitely definitely you can feel it I think it's like an instinctive feeling that you 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 see it play out in your in your viewfinder and you just you hear the snap and you just you just nailed it you mm, got it that must be such a good feeling yeah oh it's a great feeling yeah it's a great feeling Arthur I want to do a rapid fire with you the first thing that comes to your mind <laughs> All right. okay and it can be ridiculous it doesn't have to be deep although. Like, I would love a deep answer, but if if that's not where it's at, it's okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Okay. Sweet. Grateful. Uh, my parents. Mm. Pride. Integrity in what I do. Mm. Sacrifice. Um, again, my parents, like, coming back, coming from Hungary, like, from great jobs that they loved, all their family, mm. um, leaving it all behind with, with two young kids and basically just for us to have, have better lives. Favorite person to capture on camera? 
Vanessa, my, my, my fiance. That's sweet. That's very <laughs> yeah, sweet. Yeah, she was like my first model. Greatest wisdom or advice I've ever received. Honestly, it sounds corny, but I think it's just to, to, to invest your time doing what you love because time is the most valuable currency and mm. uh, that's the one that you can never make back. Okay, let's get to the letter part where you're going to do some real self-reflection. Imagine that you're talking to younger Art. And again, this could be <laughs> Arthur wearing the rock climbing clips that have been brought up a lot. Uh, or Arthur, who was 16, 17, hustling. Or Arthur from last week. Whatever version of Arthur that you want to talk to. All right. So I actually wrote this out ahead of I time. I love it. It's for like high school art. Okay. Like early university days art. Yes. Dear Arthur. I know you're eager to succeed and do your parents proud by making something of yourself and validating their decision to immigrate here and the sacrifices sacrifices they made for you. Mm. You have big dreams and are trying to get into an industry that is uncertain and difficult to make a living with, so you feel like you have no time to waste in getting there. I want to remind you, though, that you're a teenager with your whole life ahead of you, so it's okay to enjoy the ride and all the experiences that will come along the way because those have value as well and will be assets to your future self. There are certain times in your life that you won't ever get back where you're arguably the most free to try new things, meet new people, make mistakes, find solutions to those mistakes, and discover who you are in the process. This is one of the most important and memorable phases of your life to do all those things, and you should. You're on the right track with setting yourself up for a successful career, and your work ethic is admirable, but don't be in a rush to grow up too fast. Oh, and you're about to meet this girl named Vanessa soon, and she's a pretty cool chick. Spoiler alert, she may be the one. <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness. That is some real uh that's some good self-reflection art. <laughs> that's good. Well, I, you know, it was I I had to end it on a on a good note. This is good because there's going to be somebody watching this who has that same kind of fire within them who's 13 years old and is going after these big opportunities. You know, might lose sight of things. So no, this is this is amazing. Thank you. No, thank you. That was awesome. Ah, he's wonderful. Love you, Art. You can follow Arthur at Arthur Mola and me at underscore Sam East. If you're liking what you hear so far on the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Next episode is the season one finale, and it's all about sex, intimacy, and relationships with Dr. Jess O'Reilly. That's next week on the Lessons to My Younger Self podcast.